Are you tired of nodding along at parties to conversations you really don't understand? Make it make sense with the KYW News Radio in depth podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Jay, as the weather gets warmer, we're getting into the summer. I really want to go to the zoo. It's been a while. It is right down the street from me. I don't know why I don't go there more to the Philadelphia Zoo. And I think everybody could use some cute animals to, to love on lately. The Philadelphia Zoo is really cool. As someone who once worked in a zoo himself, I know how cool it is to kind of be around animals and everything else. I'm more of a big fan of animals such as like the tigers or for whatever reason, just hippos have always fascinated me. But it's great for anybody to get out there and just check out, especially now as we're getting closer to the summer. And there are a couple of very large new additions that have been made to the Philadelphia Zoo. And we'll talk about that today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. And KWW's John McDevitt knows a thing or two about the Philadelphia Zoo and all things animals, really, and including a few new residents that have just shown up there. So we'll catch up with him in a little bit about who those are at the zoo, as well as an invasion of snails that are coming into the Schuylkill River, which not the thing I would have figured you would have found an invasion of in that body of water. And a great program through Temple University that's helping bridge the technology gap in North Philadelphia. But tomorrow is the primary election here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And late in the day yesterday, we got word that Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who is currently considered the front runner for the Democratic nomination for Senate, underwent a heart procedure after having a stroke. His wife, Giselle, convinced him to go to the hospital on Friday when he wasn't feeling well. And the couple shared a video over the weekend explaining what exactly happened. John had a stroke that was caused by a clot from his heart being in an irregular rhythm for too long. Fortunately, the amazing doctors here were able to completely clear the clot and entirely reverse the stroke. Now, the irregular rhythm is from atrial fibrillation, and that's according to the CDC. It's the cause of one out of every seven strokes. Now, Fetterman's just 52 years old, and he says he's feeling much better and is on his way to recovery. Let's hope for for his sake that he does make a full recovery. His team is still planning to host an election night party in the Pittsburgh area, but Fetterman himself won't be able to be there. Of course, he's going to rest and recover and do what's best for his health. And of course, you know, we'll be talking more about this election with the primary being tomorrow and all. We'll hear what some voters are thinking. And of course, we'll have the results on Wednesday, the ones that are available on Wednesday. But now we got to get back to more important issues. And we're talking about (laughs) zoo animals here. That's what I would rather hear about. You know, I I see enough commercials for this election. Let's talk about animals. (laughs) And to talk about animals, we're bringing in John McDevitt, our expert on all things big and small when it comes to animals. And John, it sounds like we've got a couple of new residents at the Philadelphia Zoo. So what is happening over there? Yeah, well, they have a new exhibit. Uh, It features the three new residents, uh, the Ancole Watusi cattle. They're native to East Africa. They're massive. They can weigh up to 1,600 pounds. Uh, They have uh, crescent-shaped horns that can be eight feet wide from tip to tip. And uh, they're new, and and they're certainly a a crowd-pleaser at the Philadelphia Zoo. I spoke with Danny Hogan. She's the director of mission integration at the Philly Zoo. These are our brand new Ancoli Watusi cattle, and they have just arrived at the zoo not just a few days ago, and we are learning very quickly that they love to eat. 
she says that they came from the Carolinas. Uh, they're three males. They are roaming around the African Plains exhibit. And while I was talking with Danny, I couldn't help to notice that the existing trees within that exhibit were being devoured by these three massive creatures. <laughs> what happens when they eat that, the leaves off that tree? <laughs> we're going to find out what happens when they eat all the leaves off of that tree. Now, we knew that these cattle were big eaters, and we knew that they had a reputation for eating just about everything in their path. Uh, we did put them in here intentionally, so we're okay with the fact that they're munching on whatever they find. Uh, they might have to do some replanting and, and reconfiguring, but um, the leaves and, 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 and uh, the, the grass that they are eating and devouring is uh, healthy and safe for them. Now, you spoke to a young lady at the zoo who also had a pretty good description of how they managed to eat as well. They seem to uh, use their tongues like giraffes to get uh, leaves out the trees. So it seems like the visitors really like these big guys, and the public actually got the opportunity to name them from what it sounds like. Yeah, well, that's going on right now. Uh, we, of course, will uh, post it and let you know what the names actually will be. Uh, they are, um, there are three cattle, as I said. There are six names uh, to choose from, two for each animal. They each have a, uh, a, a name that represents their personality or the name that represents the color of their fur. That's a, a traditional way, uh, East African way of, uh, of doing this uh, when naming these animals. So John, there are three of these uh, like 1,200 to 1,600 pound animals roaming around. I mean, tell us a little bit of what this exhibit looks like. It has to be absolutely massive. Can you just explain kind of the scale of this thing? Yeah, it's, it's pretty large. Um, it used to be where these uh, Razorback hog was in and, and uh, other, uh, 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 there were some other hoof type of animals, antelope maybe, I, I forget what was in there before. But um, they are out of there now and they plan to uh, put in some, um, a, a couple storks and uh, other animals that uh, would be uh, native to their natural habitat in uh, in Uganda, and I when I when I heard that, I'm like, wait a minute, you can't put you can't put these birds in there yet, and, you know, because of the bird flu. Um, mm. <laughs> so it, it is definitely uh, it, it definitely they have to wait for that full exhibit. But there are existing trees, and there is grass, and there are rocks. And uh, it, it's right across from where the rhinoceros and the hippos are. Uh, so, you know, they're a favorite. Um, and I, I noticed that a lot of people were not looking right. They were looking left and running to the hippos and, and the little kids running to the rhinoceros, but um, not really noticing the, <laughs> these massive creatures because the exhibit that they're in is that big. Um, mm -hmm. Where that day they were, they have a little shed and then they they were all the way to the back kind of out of sight um but they were they were just eating their way through the exhibit so, <laughs> so yeah. sounds like a safari right here in the city yeah yeah the other interesting thing too is um i a lot of the well all of the birds all of the uh in the collection are uh off exhibit and behind the scenes because of the bird flu. Right. So a lot of people running around and then looking for animals, um, they were wondering where all all of the animals are. Um, but really, 
it's the flamingos that are missing. It's the other birds and and uh, the penguins. They have an empty pool. The exhibit is Aww. is Penguin Point is a uh, waterfall and an empty pool. And people are it, still going to the window and still looking, but they're there's a lot of talk wondering where are all the animals but uh, uh they're being kept healthy that's where they are yeah. um, and and uh waiting for this bird flu uh to pass but so uh the three cattle the three ancole watusi cattle are a welcome addition are uh, uh, uh an interesting site and people want to know more about them they're, they demand attention uh so when uh when you when you see them you'll want to know more about them so uh they're a new welcome addition to the philadelphia zoo now we will definitely get some pictures up of the the brand new additions the gigantic cattle that are at the philadelphia zoo we'll get them out there on our twitter and we'll also share when those names get announced now we're going to take a quick break because we got a different kind of animal story coming up here one that involves a not so welcome species floating into this area we'll have more on that for you coming up after this I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. And we're here with KWW's John McDevitt. Now, we just talked about the new Ancole cattle at the Philadelphia Zoo, but there's another new species that's kind of come into the area. This one, not so friendly. It's an invasive species of snail that's shown up in the Philadelphia area waterways. So, John, what's the story on these snails, and are they a threat at all to the waterways that we have here? Right, well, the snails we're talking about is the New Zealand mud snail. They've been around for centuries in New Zealand and other parts of the world. Well, they're making their way to our waters. Maybe uh, over the past year or so, they're, they're being uh, 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 found in sections of the Schuylkill and other waterways, fresh water here in the Philadelphia region. I wanted to find out more. I uh, went over to our friends at the Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University. I uh, met Gary Rosenberg. He's a curator of mollusks. Uh, we went up to his lab on the fourth floor. And, uh, you know, the Academy of Natural Sciences has one of the largest shell collections in the world. Ten million shells. And these little tiny New Zealand mud snails, they're the size of smaller than the size of a, a kernel of corn. And uh, uh, Rosenberg and, and, and his colleagues set up a microscope for me and they have this vast collection and in their little uh, vials, they put some underneath the microscope and I was able to look at them better on a screen. And um, you know, they're, 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 they're as I said, tiny, um, but the problem is they're invasive. They're not native to our waters. And because they're so new, uh, Rosenberg says that they don't really know uh, what the uh, impact will be. From the human point of view, what, what good are they? What harm are they? Um, we don't know yet. It's still early days for the invasion in this area. Um, my first concern would be what, what impact do they have on the native species? Next is, are they changing how the ecosystem functions? They multiply very quickly, and, and so that's what they're concerned about. They're going to be keeping a close eye on it, um, and, and uh, you know that, that's what we got with these little tiny snails that people are wondering what the heck they are. <laughs> John, I knew they were small, but I didn't realize they were that small that you can need a microscope to really get a good look. So, and they just build they build up in these kind of swarms. What 
What do they look like to the naked eye? Like, how would we recognize them if we see them out in the in the wild Schuylkill River? <laughs> yeah, well, you probably won't notice them at all. Um, but they are um, different colors. Um, they are snails. <laughs> um, the the I, I mean to make a joke, but they they are they look like a snail. But these shells are the ones that are in the collections, and the and the shells are what I saw, and they come in various colors and different textures and uh, things like that. But the the, the um, also the uh, you can find them perhaps on equipment and and boats. Uh, actually, the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission is urging anglers and boaters uh, to disinfect their equipment properly to prevent the spread of the invasive, invasive species, particularly if you're going from one waterway to another, um, you know, and you can just carry that on your boat or carry that on your equipment uh, if it's not properly sanitized. Well, those, little, those little guys are like stowaways basically on boats or kind of like how barnacles are, when you're out in the ocean, those will just get stuck to a boat and yeah. next thing you know, you're, you're hauling those things right into the into an area a foreign area next thing you know you got an infestation of little tiny snails popping up in waterways it's uh, that's it's so interesting how that all kind of shakes itself out john and i know that we know you don't just cover animal stories there's another thing we've wanted to ask you about temple just opened the new digital equity center to provide computers and technology services to residents in north philly and you were out there this weekend what kind of equipment are they providing what are the services what's going on over there yeah, so uh, this Digital Equity Center, it's on the uh, edge of the campus. Uh, the building that they are occupying uh, is a old part, a rec center of the housing uh, community that was demolished several years ago, uh, and that's the last remaining piece. Um, they are using that. Uh, they are basically working with the community. Temple is in North Philadelphia. There are several zip codes uh, that surround that, and uh, Temple is a part of that neighborhood and vice versa. So the um, this is a chance for the residents um, to gain access to technology. Um, there, this center will act as a computer lab of sorts. Uh, it will support hundreds of refurbished computers, and it will, um, hopefully the, the, the program uh, organizers of the program hope to distribute 600 of them to North Philadelphia residents. Uh, spoke with Jonathan Latko, the executive director of business administration for information technology services at Temple University. So they can now access all the resources that are available. It could be Temple resources for classes. It could be health information management, teaching how to do digital literacy or financial literacy or health. So maybe we have all these partners that do all sorts of support work, but they need this platform of digital equity in order to do it. So we're trying to plug in and get that support. Uh, they have secured uh, from Comcast the uh, uh, internet, uh, which is a problem for a lot. You know, it's expensive. Uh, you know, so uh, they they are, have provided that. And now with this piece of a building, uh, with this laboratory, they're going to be able to uh, basically support the needs. Uh, in various ways of the community. John, you mentioned Temple is part of this community. It's all, you know, all integrated into the city. So that makes sense. But is there a connection to kind of the school? Are there students involved? Is it connected to that level of education? Well, the, the way the students are involved is that they're actually, you know, refurbishing uh, the computers. The computers are from the university. Um, but this is um, mainly a institutional 
uh, project uh, where they are, you know, basically sharing resources uh, and, uh, you know, with the community and uh, because they are members of the community. Now, you mentioned that the Internet is going to be a big part of this and the technology gap has become really apparent during this entire stretch of the pandemic when things all had to go remote. Now, North Central Resident Council President Donna Richardson also pointed this out, too. So it's really a wonderful program that they're having, especially since when COVID hit. You found out that a lot of people was not only didn't have computers, but couldn't even afford Internet. And then not if they had it, some of them didn't even know how to use them. So, John, what else have North Philly residents been saying about this? Well, they're they're excited. Uh, they're happy. They 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 want to be informed. They want the knowledge. They one of the other things that I was talking with, you know, about voter voting. They want to know more about voting, but those programs aren't there yet. They want to know who uh, our elected officials are. Is it, it, they they feel that they're it's being kept from them the knowledge of that. But with this programming and this, that the, they feel that they will be enlightened and have tools to to possibly learn themselves with access to the internet, with being uh, connected, with resources being made available, uh, learning how to use different programs. Um, and, you know, IT market is, you know, I mean, uh, jobs in IT are are out there. And, and, and this is possibly another way by taking classes that they can learn, uh, you know, exploring the IT fields. That's a really good point. You know, there's so much that I think we take for granted that we can just Go Google it. And people who don't have access to the Internet can't do that. So this is a great program. And I love that. You know, you hear a lot about Temple being this big school with lots of money in the middle of an area in the city that doesn't have so much money. So I love to hear about them finding ways to connect with the neighborhood and give back to the community that they're in. For sure. Definitely. John, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow John McDevitt on Twitter at JM1060. That's it for this Monday. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina boyd Circa. And tomorrow we'll hear what's on the minds of Pennsylvania voters as it is primary day in the Commonwealth. So don't forget to get out and vote. And we'll be back at you tomorrow. Have a good one.